Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, it's a good Sunday morning. You know, it's a great Sunday morning. It's, there's no snow when we look out the window. Golf is gearing up. Right. And the most important thing has happened. Your unruly, disobedient, <laughs> delinquent dog, Henry, <laughs> has returned from reform school. And I want to hear how it went. So he went to run your pack, Hank, as we call him in the household. Yeah, Hank. He's a mix of everything. He uh, did three and a half weeks at run your pack over in Clinton. And I got to be honest with you, he came back still Henry, but trainable, like trained. And so Kathy is starting to kind of reinforce the training. That's fantastic. In just three weeks. Three weeks. Because you were considering maybe a new home life for Hank. Well, you and I, you know, you, we, you and I live in a ranch area. So right. I was thinking of maybe just dropping him off over at, <laughs> at some ranch at some dressed ranch. like a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and just say, hey, you've inherited a new dog. Yeah. No, but he's good. Well, you know, it's really important for that sort of thing because uh, I just flew back from uh, both uh, L.A. and then I was up in Vancouver, and I noticed how well-behaved the dogs were that people took on flights and on planes. Yeah. And I know I could never take my dog. I just couldn't imagine my dogs, you know, acting that calm and relaxed unless they were heavily sedated. Right. You know, as the Ramones would say, I want to be sedated. <laughs> right. But um and I know, I remember from the tour that we took of the new airport facility here, they have a dog relief station right in there, which we've never had before. Isn't that incredible? So the airports are getting more pet friendly for sure. And uh, it's going to open in May. I can't wait for the new airport to open because we drive by it all the time. And it's this sleek, new, modern $67 million building. And we're going to have today a conversation about how things are going and where they're going and when are we going to be able to get in there and, you know, when are we going to be able to take advantage of this new uh, state-of-the-art airport facility. Yeah, I can't wait. You, and you and I love flying, too, and we love travel. So we always have a good, lively conversation with whether, sure. whether it was Chris or now it's going to be Brian Elstad and Tim Darrow from the right. airport. Brian's a new executive director. Right. And I, I noticed that even for the announcement on February 22nd that our old director came back for that, which I thought was very nice. Did you? I saw him, actually. I didn't see him when he came back, but I knew he came back. I read about that he came back, and I thought it was great that Chris was back in town. And, Chris and, Jensen. Because he, he was the person that was there when this thing was first you know, conceptualized. Right. Chris is, was very involved and still is involved, but now we know he's in Reno. Right. At their airport. And he's from there, so he's back home. He's back home finishing off, I think, his uh, retirement, uh, you know, the, ma the amount of years yeah. he needs for his retirement program. I do have to tell you one quick air story. I, I actually helped the uh, um, the safety officer that w at the airport in uh, Seattle escort an unruly passenger off the plane <laughs> two nights ago. Really? If, yeah. We were, already on, we were already on the tarmac for takeoff, and the flight attendants decided that they had to get this guy off the plane because he was uh, a bit belligerent and uh, and uh, irritating a lot of people around him in a very vociferous and vulgar manner. All right. Well, look, we have a lot to talk about with our two guests, Tim and Brian, from the Missoula International Airport. Back after this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, Arnie, we are back with our guests, Brian Ellistead, Airport Director, and Tim Damro, Deputy Director of the Missoula International Airport. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure having you here today with us. 
really, we're really looking forward to this conversation because Scott and I are major consumer <laughs> travelers, and we like the most upscale experience that we could possibly have in the airport. And I've always liked the airport that we already have. The terminal we already have is perfectly fine, and we always advocate you know, how, how easy and good it is compared to most everywhere else that we travel. But now we're going to have a really elevated experience when the new airport opens. So tell us a little about where we're at and how this thing is going to unfold. Well, we're getting close. We're in the kind of the final stages. Hopefully, we're looking at early May to uh, open the doors. But it's been a long road from start to finish. But uh, it's great to kind of see see the end here and near. At the end of the day, I think the customers are going to love it. I mean, it's so much more intuitive. Um, you don't have to go up the stairs, down the stairs. Hopefully, you don't go through the revolving doors and start the process all over again like we have in the current <laughs> terminal. Uh, but I think I think the general public will really really like and they're it. and they're animals too. They're service dogs. Yep, we have a service animal relief area in the new terminal. Well, so. we have escalators. <laughs> Most people in, in, who've been born and raised in Missoula have not seen an escalator since uh, what the. Uh, uh, Herberger had one on, in one of the buildings. That was the last escalator that you that are, I saw. You are correct. You're excited. I'm excited. My kids are going to be excited. <laughs> excited right? A lot of kids are going to be excited about the escalator. I noticed, you know, there's a pet relief station, which really puts us into the next <laughs> century because a lot of people are traveling. I haven't been on a flight in the last year. There wasn't uh, at least one or two pets on the flight. People are traveling more and more with their fur children, as their fur babies, <laughs> as they call them. And we're going to have that at the airport as well. So, Brian, you said that it's been a long process. This is a $67 million endeavor? Yep. And when did we launch? So, for, Tim's got better with the numbers than I am, but yes, the first phase, $67 million, uh, will be under budget for, for when we do that. Uh, but we, will you repeat that? Under budget? We, I, we never hear that terminology, under budget, right? Never. We did it. We'll be <laughs> definitely under budget and on time. So That's fantastic. You know, we have a kudos to our contractor, the entire team, the design team, but... Um, it, everybody's worked so well together on this project. You so, guys are our heroes. <laughs> no, this is a big deal. Under budget mm-hmm. and a beautiful new facility. And you guys have been there from the start to ultimately the completion. Right. Right. You yeah. know, and that's going to make up for some of the uh, what I think is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the unintended consequences of this last couple of years of COVID. Right. You got some people that are a little bit more unruly. I've experienced those on flights. You have uh, airlines. uh uh, loading the planes up. The last four flights I've flown, there was waitlist and and uh, they were oversold, so every seat was taken. Um, the fact that they've unbundled a lot of the airfares mean a lot of people are schlepping a lot more luggage with them than trying to get it on the plane. This this notion, I don't think anybody that flies anymore, Scott, can count because this is one personal item and right. one you know carry on that might and they got three a backpack mm-hmm. and two things and a briefcase and you know, I mean it's, it gets a little uh, difficult for you know for the agents at the gate to be you know to extend the right kind of courtesies when literally every person is operating that way you mentioned earlier like the gypsies. fact that on the flights lots of people who want to show some disdain to wearing masks will get a drink and sip it the whole flight so they can try to keep their mask off the whole flight and that sort of thing what are you guys seeing what are the stories you're hearing yeah, from the front line seeing? Oh, man. So well, for those that can count their carry-ons correctly, what you can also see is people that wear their bags as well. So yes. if you're over budget on your items, well, I might as well wear my six coats and eight pairs of pants. Yeah. Um, so if there's a will, there's a way. If someone wants their extra stuff on, they'll get it on. And if you unfortunately want to work around some of the requirements, you'll figure out a way to do it. <laughs> you know, that's that's a problem. So, But let's talk about the good side of things. Those are all the bad things. We've got that off of our chest, you know, now. Um what about this terminal is going to, excites you compared to the previous term? I mean, what are the things, what are the amenities, Brian. and what are the operational things, Brian, that you think <laughs> that you think uh, will uh, will be appealing to uh, both customers and the, the the people that work there? So, I th- you know, I think it just starts out in the parking lot. You just or you drive by. If you drive by at night and you see the lights on, you can see through the building. Um, you kind of park in the parking lot, and you can probably figure out where you're going before you actually you know, get to the front curb. You can see the ticket counter. You can see the escalator. You can see the upstairs. Oh, there's the TSA area. So you kind of know where you're going, so your ease, you know, you kind of takes down your level of anxiety before you kind of get there. Totally. And then once you're, you know, through the checkpoint, which is now, you know, it's designed for five lanes, it's, four, you know, we'll have our existing three, so it's roomy. 
And then I guess what excites me is I walk through, the first thing I see is a Kettle House uh, Cold Smoke Lounge uh, right <laughs> off the bat. Brian, is from a parking perspective, how much has the capacity of parking increased? Um, it's plus 300 spaces. Got um, it. So it went from slightly 11 to 1,200 into that 1,300, 1,400, 1,500 range. And how much is short-term versus long-term? What's the percentages? Uh, Do I don't know the percentage, but that's 145, 150 is the short-term, and then the rest is... Probably about 10%. Yeah, 10%. 10%. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good That's mm-hmm. a good. By the way, ratio. the nice thing about our long-term parking is is that it's not that far right like right. the dif- distance between short term and long term is really not that bad it's really just why yeah. it's just you know distance from a width mm-hmm. perspective right from the well us in the depth. media had a chance to have sort of a sneak preview and oh the, yeah the cold smoke area looks <laughs> very appealing and it's designed so you could actually take advantage of it even if you're not flying or waiting for somebody to arrive or or after they've already left and you need a beer because they've overstayed their welcome right you have a you ha- you've set it up in a way that the, the public can interact with it pretty directly yeah i think when you say at the end of the day probably what i think I think we probably have the same answer, real close to the same answer. We're probably most excited about our pre-security observation deck. Um, so you can go downstairs, you know, right by security where you, you know, meet your significant other and, you know, you can grab a coffee, you can grab a, a beer, soda, go upstairs. Right. And you actually can see the airfield and Which we're going to love and we're going to pipe in the air traffic control tower overhead. So you can actually look on a moving map, see the airplane. You can hear the airplane say, really? Flight 4141, you're cleared to land. Um, you know, so you can actually be part of the experience. Is that done in other airports or is this, are we one of the first to do that? You know, a lot of airports, it seems, after September 11th have kind of – there's always been this disconnect between the traveling public and those who want to come witness kind of aviation and that whole kind of magic of the operation that's kind of been now separated behind a security checkpoint. So I think airports now are trying to do it. You see kind of some of the public decks and services they're offering. This is kind of a whole other approach, hopefully taking it one step further and saying we're creating the whole experience. Come out, look at airplanes. Are there going to be any, like, uh, clubs? Like, I know, like, Delta and United have clubs. Are we just not big a big enough airport to it's accommodate a, that? Um, it's a club, but there's no membership fee. Ah. Uh, anyone, anyone can participate. So. Softball, too. I do have to say to uh, <laughs> Brian and Tim, way back in the last century at one point, before there was a security checkpoint, Growing up in New York, it was a regular occurrence to take and stop at the airport and either go in or park your car at the yep. runway and watch the planes take off yeah, and land. Yeah, I used to do that all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was exciting for kids mm-hmm. to see that, particularly. We all remember it. Yeah, yeah we all remember that, and now we're going to be able to do it again. Arnie, can you – can anybody here remind us of what air travel was like pre-9-11 in terms of <laughs> the security, the checkpoint, security, and and just getting through to the gate? Because – I was trying to do that the other day with my buddy in Miami. I don't even remember. Let me tell you one quick story, then I'll I'll let the experts answer. (laughs) I was living in Kansas City when they just had built their new airport, and you could park next to the gate that you were leaving from. That's how they designed it. They designed it as a big Mm -hmm. semicircle, and the parking was like that. So you could look up or find out. You'd be leaving from gate 12. You parked by gate 12. You walked in. You showed him your ticket. You didn't even have to show an ID. The ticket was your ID. If you had a ticket, <laughs> you could get on the plane. I've got it. And, and you just walk in and get on the plane. That's what it was like. Well, keep. I want to hear yeah. what I want to hear. <laughs> I have another story, but let's hear these guys. What was it like? So, do you, does anybody remember pre nine eleven? And I don't even think from young guy. My too. recollection, I don't even think you needed a ticket to right. get through the checkpoint. I think it was open. No, no, yeah, no, no, it was, anyone went through. Yep. Um, was more, there a screener? Though? Yep. There was. But what was it screening for? The same stuff? No. No, just to a lower level. I mean, yeah, but I, think, I, I think it was just a metal more detector. More of a metal, metal detector. Right, kind that was of it. Weapon, you know, but weapon. 80s. So, so going through the walkthrough, but habit that was there a conveyor belt? Yep, x-ray. There, there was, was an x-ray, x-ray. walk-through metal right. detector. But not in the 70s and 80s, just to yes. point that out. Not, right. They did not have anything. <laughs> You're not too way 90s, back. 90s you that. walk in with your bag. <laughs> Nobody screens your bag. Mm-hmm. You could take, you could yep. check it or you could carry it on. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't check anything. I mean, they, they looked at your ticket. You had a ticket. You were good. I think I met my... I grew up in, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I remember my grandmother coming back from San Francisco, and this right. would have been in the 80s. And I think I met her on the tarmac when she got off the airplane. <laughs> right. Back in the I day. could do that. Yeah. 
The other thing was you couldn't get tickets in those days any other way than get them at the airport. You would go to the airport, mm -hmm. and they would give you the ticket. And once you had the ticket, you had to show them something to get the ticket. Mm -hmm. You were good. You that were good, it. and you could check your luggage in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a photo, okay? This is I was in Miami last week visiting family and friends. A photo of um, I was given a deputy sheriff's wallet card with a badge. And it was my cousin's name, Gary, but it was my picture. And he gave it to me and he goes, do you remember in 1996 you flew for me from New York to Salt Lake City so that I could hit the Million Mile Club? And I go, I do remember that very well. And he goes, this is all you use was a sheriff's card, like a sheriff's badge. <laughs> and, I, well, and I didn't need anything else. No, well, in those days you could you – could, uh if if if, uh, if Kathy wasn't going, and uh, you know your uh, your son Tim wanted to go, uh, they could just hand Tim the ticket and just say uh, Tim's going instead. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to be the person. The voucher. Yeah. It, was it was a voucher. voucher. It was like just like a voucher. What else? What else? So all right. So, okay, that's enough reminiscing. Enough about reminiscing. But something that's never going to happen well, again. Tim and Brian from the airport here. Well, actually, you, you may. You know, at some point, you might have a little chip embedded, and you just walk through a thing, and it, you know, it, lets, it, it reads off. Big the brother. Card. Yeah. I'm sure. RF technology. Well, let's. You know, this is their first time on our show, Arnie. Yeah, we're going to scare them away after this. <laughs> well, let's start with Brian. What got you interested in aviation? What was the the thing that really drew you to this? I'm going to ask you the same question, Tim, so you can think about the answer. But what was the impetus? What was the start? So for me, it was probably my aunt who worked for Northwest Airlines. And as a kid, she would every Christmas come down and give us Christmas gifts, and it would be something from South Korea or France or, you know, she was always non-revving to wherever. And every Christmas, it was something from someplace exotic, someplace different that I, I had never, would have never even thought of right. going to. So that was probably what got me the, like, who I've got to look into this for a career when the day comes. And what was your first job in the industry? So I got out of college and I answered a random little bitty ad that said, airline job openings, please apply. And I drove down to, we lived in, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, drove down to Milwaukee. It was a new startup airline. It was like in the back of a strip mall office. And I walk up the stairs, <laughs> I, I do an interview and I get the job and I go back for training. So it was a small commuter airline that was literally opening up. Were you doing everything? Trip. Like hauling luggage? That's I a great did everything. So everything. Did everything. Oh, yeah. Like what is everything? <laughs> so, luggage. So I got the, the honor of working there 16 years. So <laughs> I started throwing, chucking people. So I would be one person working a 19-seat aircraft. I would chuck them in, take their bags, check in all 18, 19 people, run to the gate, right? get them on the airplane, load the bags, marshal them out, and reverse order every day, three times a day. That's like a limo driver. <laughs> so, so Tim, what was your uh, founding experience? Oh, probably pretty similar to Brian's, actually. I had a grandpa who was a World War II navigator, um, would always just have awesome pictures, stories, airplanes around the house. And I was the stereotypical kid at the airport climbing the fence to look at airplanes when anyone was flying in. Um, so I grew up in Helena. Um, and I don't know. It was just something magical about it that just kind of I've, I've always loved it. Just so I mean, what was your so, first job? So. What was your first job? Um, first job in aviation um, is actually here at the Missoula Airport. So really? similar experience to Brian. I was doing check-in, loading bags, gates for Big Sky Airlines at that time. Were you a math student in, in high school? I was not. That's why you're not an engineer. Wondering yeah. how, <laughs> how, do they, how do they stay up in the air? You're, but your logistics know. and your operations... So, so did you have the like I had a B fifty one you know Mustang P fifty one Mustang hanging from a string in my bedroom and I I put it together and I realized I didn't have a career in engineering because there was always parts left over <laughs> you know it was finished I had nine parts that I had to put in there did you have did you have uh, planes hanging in your room even better now Ernie I have them in my office oh now <laughs> do you really and he gets paid for I this do. wait a minute where do they come from all over I get one, a new one from Dad he gives me the World War two collection every year I have. I have a bunch that I are going to put in the new office at the new airport, but uh, I have quite an extensive uh, model airplane. You I'm too, have Brian. To look at those. <laughs> yeah. I don't have them anymore. I have airplanes as well, but <laughs> no, nothing hanging currently, but I might have to change that in the oh. new office. So I, somehow I've gone down a rabbit hole on social media, whether it be TikTok or Instagram, where I'm getting a bunch of airplane videos 
every day that are people landing landings and takeoffs, okay? And then they're now showing you pilot perspectives of landing a plane. So you're the cameras along these things. A, are we capable of landing an A380 at our airport? I know we're capable of landing a 747 because the former president mm-hmm. uh, landed. Yeah. <laughs> landed and somehow stayed. Mm-hmm. No, landed. And um, are we capable of, of bringing those big, big uh, you know, wide bodies? So the three, what was the Emirates one that came in? Was that it's a 330? 330. Yep, that, that's big, that's wide, big. but not the yep. t- double right. decker. No. So I believe physically yeah. um, the runway is capable to support it. Our limitation here probably in Missoula would be our taxiways. I know a lot of airports have issues just with that right. part of an aircraft, how wide the landing gear are physically maneuvering it once it's landed mm-hmm. um, to get back on the runway. Um, but again, comes down to weight as well. If it's an empty cargo you know, on a cargo mission, probably right. a little bit of a different story. But, different, right? Yeah. But we did. We landed at whatever yeah. Air yeah. Force yeah. One is. Yeah. Yep. So, Brian, no, you, no mentioned, you mentioned, Brian, that this is phase one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have other phases depending on, I guess, demand, right? So what happens to the building that we're now using, the beloved, you know, semi-circle piece of cheese looking kind of building? What, what's What's going to happen to that? So our current plan, which we hope to take to the board here at the end of this month, is we've opened bids for phase two, which would be um, a, right now we have a temporary baggage claim in the current that we put in the current phase, but a, a, a real a dedicated baggage claim um, in the next phase, um, four more gates, um, rental cars. Uh, so in order to build that, we have to actually demolish our current building. Right. So that will be deconstructed. The plan is right now start pretty much as soon as uh, we open the new building. So I would guess summer, early fall of this year we'll start the And then demolition. you'll be able to build it and then, like, knock a wall out and it'll all be connected? Is that what's going to happen? We have a smart contractor. So they actually put a double wall in the current building. So Arnie, Arnie, I have dibs on the the <laughs> massage chair. Yeah. <laughs> the the coin-operated one? They're coming with us. They are? Yeah. Oh, you, should, you should sell the the, the <laughs> Parts of the old building to people that want to have a you know collection. They do that all the time. Yeah, they I do. A, I have a you know piece of a seat from old Yankee Stadium. They probably some people. May I want definitely to don't have. want a piece of a plane. Careful what you wish for. I have a bunch of bricks in my in my office from the old building. So do you really? If you're yeah. interested, I have. I let's have. do a let's do a fundraiser. Let's auction off the bricks for mm-hmm. Christmas for kids. Okay, we'll okay, do that we next do, year. We could do that. How okay, about? so that's good. that's going to come in and and that will enhance the capacity. Oh, yes, but uh, but up until uh, up until that happens. Tell me about the passenger experience. You walk through the door now, and and from what I saw on the tour, you're not going to have to search for your airline anymore, <laughs> right? Like, where where is Southwest and where is you know where, where is American and how you know all that kind of stuff. Is that correct? Yep. All the counters will be the first thing you walk in. You'll see all the ticket counters just one in a row. You won't have to peek around columns or <laughs> or around nicks and crannies to find your ticket counter. So yes, it'll be one in a row. Check in, and you get to drop your bag off behind the ticket counter instead of hauling it. Like a real airport. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's frightening. It, well, when you Arnie and I took that tour, what was it, November? That was like, it's so changed now. I've, right. Know, yeah. I wasn't at our last Destination Missoula meeting, but gosh, everybody was incredibly right. impressed. Well, Are I, you guys impressed with what how it came out? Absolutely. Very much. Every day. That's well, awesome. Well, one of the things I do have to commend you for is, is that you're you're doing this in a way that is not... Um, interfering much with the current passenger flow of things. You know, and if you're pointing at Tim, thank you, Tim. I was just in Vancouver uh, Monday, and the elevators, the escalators up and down, which take all of the traffic, are shut down and closed so you can't walk down them. And the only way to get from up to down is you have to wait for the elevators. Can you imagine how many hundreds of people were waiting for these little elevators that were only designed to be backups for handicapped people? That's how everybody has to go from the lower level to the upper level while they're re... I don't know how long it's taking them... You know, to right. bits by mm-hmm. bits and pieces, they're trying to renovate the airport, and it's a complete disaster for any uh, a customer experience. ADA uh, compliant and trying to do it in bits and pieces. Is, well, yeah. Well, the, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, tra- is that I'm trying. That's legal. It's raining. I'm trying to get a car. You got to go down and get a car. I'm upstairs. Where, how do I get down? Elevator. What about the escalator? Escalators are closed. No, no stairs, no nothing. Elevator, the only way to get down. And they were the smaller elevators designed yeah, 
for so I you, get it. you avoid all that. We don't have people coming in and seeing all kinds of pardon our dust signs everywhere. And that was one of the things we looked at when we were kind of evaluating the building. Does it make sense to remodel? Do we expand the current one? But that was the huge factor of what's going to be the less disruptive for traveling public in the community. And it was really, really just start fresh. Well, plus you have the other advantage that I know a couple of summers ago we had when we had some of the seasonal airlines coming in that there were backups because there were gates weren't available, right? And there was, there was occasionally planes weren't able to you know discharge passengers. I would say we had a. I would say that we had gates available. It was staffing by okay. certain airlines that just didn't have enough staffing right. to handle all the airplanes. They'll go and they'll go unnamed. Okay, <laughs> but. But will we be able to with with this with the uh, ticket counter setup? Mm-hmm. Will there be some interchangeable staff? So if, if one airline is loading two hundred people up at one time and one airline has no flights leaving, that maybe there can be some assistance offered. So a little I'll answer this in two ways. So the airlines you're trained on every airline employee is trained. They can only op, they can only do the one airline. One airline. Um, with that said, we did build in workarounds for that so we have something called amadeus it's a shared use system that we're installing so let's say you're out there on the tarmac waiting for a gate and something's delayed due to maintenance or just late arriving they can go to any gate now and park because we have their computer system at any and all oh, gates. Right. oh well that's that's, that's a huge big right that's huge but that's whether they have enough staff to park that second airplane right. you know but we we've designed the flexibility for them now it's up to them they have to execute it which if that makes any sense have there there been any other improvements around the airport like in the de-icing areas or any of that sort of thing or is or or is is it just the terminal is is the main focus of all the improvement coming soon (laughs) so we're looking at projects to expand kind of de-icing capabilities as well as ramp and apron around the terminal what would that look like Without giving us too much information, where, where would they do it? Someplace different on the – no, you can't, right? So really just expanding what we have yeah. today and reorienting how the aircraft are parked compared to how the building fits. Oh. Well, you know, with changing, Got it. with changing weather patterns, yes. I mean, I've been in Minneapolis sometimes where it's an hour and a half wait to get de-iced and then you miss your connections. And, it's just, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're stuck on the plane and, you know, you're looking out the window watching why, you know, why right. can't they do it faster than this and that sort of thing. Yeah, Let me ask, well, you guys are big airport guys, obviously big aviation buffs like we are. Next to our beautiful facility, where else around the country are you, uh, do you admire? What other facilities do you admire for their design and ease of use as a? Because I know you went and looked at a bunch of them, right? right. Yeah, I believe we went to well over a dozen. Dozen. We probably learned out, learned what not to do more than what to do. And <laughs> yeah, that's important. This was really important. But I don't know some of the ones we were impressed with. Um, I think you went to Payne Field. You saw that one. Where's uh, that? Um, just north of Seattle. So okay. It's a reliever airport that just got commercial service. Um, Duluth was a brand new build that I went up and visited. I dragged Chris up there in January. He yelled at me for that. Um, <laughs> we have radio stations there. Shout out to our Duluth sister company, a sister station. No, that's good to hear. Really, new a new facility it was brand new. Um, oh, you're a Minnesota boy. I'm a Minnesota boy. Got it. Um, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like to rebuild in Salt Lake City. It used to be easy to get to terminal. They're making improvements. You either love it or you hate it. I'll, well, well they're gonna. They're putting a train in. They have to. Right. They're putting something in to connect. Uh, aren't they? I, I, somebody, I, I, they're adding to the concourse so you won't have all those bussable gates. That'll go away. That they stink. But those, I think going from point A to point B, there's they're some other people mover because you can't well, do it. Well, I can it. tell you, when I landed the other day, I landed at the end of A, and I had to get to the end of B on the other yep. end. It's and it was a 30-minute connect, and I was like one of the last ones to get to the plane. I think they're building on the other side of where the Sky uh, Club is. And, or something where it's going to well, be there's more sky, There's different sky clubs now. It's not just the one in that main terminal that was. Between. Oh, there is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's it all that's our biggest inconvenience. But it just forces me, you know, almost on every flight that I can, I'm going to sit on the front of the plane so I can get off mm-hmm. and not be way in the back and waiting to get off and behind everyone. What do you guys think? Of, have you been to LaGuardia? The new Not terminal? Yet. You've been there. I like the new terminal because as you're walking off, at least from the Delta concourse, you can see. You can see City Field and see the baseball stadium. So that's kind of a nice – because they, they did the walkway all glass on one side that faces the baseball stadium and, the, and the, you know, the bay and all of that there. So I thought it was pretty nice. Can we lay claim now, fellas, to having the <laughs> nicest airport, let's say, in the region? Like Bozeman, Great Falls, Helena, 
Billings. Kalispell. Spokane. Kalispell. This is the best one. I would argue that. It is. So we just had all the airline managers from the state here, and we took them through it. Did you? They were pretty impressed. impressed. Yeah, they they liked it. What did they? What were some of the things that they talked about that they liked? I think just the thoughtfulness of design. You know, as we mentioned, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's the next piece of construction going to look like. Again, so we're not inconvenienced right. if and when we expand next. We purposely placed aircraft gates. Um, building connections in areas where it's going to be easy to go into a subsequent phase of construction and say, hey, sorry about your escalators. We're taking these out of service or your gate. Right. Oops. Right. Um, we hopefully plan through a lot. Well, the other cool thing is that fact there's so much glass and it gives you such a, a beautiful view, particularly for people who are coming here for the first time. They'll be in love with Missoula. Plus that, that glass can shade so you can, sa- you know, you can save uh, energy costs in the building because it gets hot in there at it some, does. you know, and uh, – you guys probably run air conditioning even in the winter sometimes. That we do. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I think. I could go to work for the airline. I know enough about the operation <laughs> that I, I could get a baggage job. You and I probably. probably. I would, we would love it. <laughs> Boys, question. So, Brian, you now need to figure out a way from where you live here in the Missoula Valley to cut across, <laughs> <laughs> to not rely on reserve. Yeah. Blue Mountain or something. Uh, the good yeah. thing is I I plan my day and I I come early and leave late. So yeah, I, I do miss it. <laughs> he, these both of these guys are the hardest working no, guys. They're, they're, it's, it's, yeah, it shows. I mean, the, the airport shows. I'm, I'm a huge advocate and a big and a big supporter of uh, of yes. our airline, our airport, and our airport operation. We have a lot to be proud of. I want to flip to another question for, them for a minute. I want to talk about travel in in general, like in Missoula. We, we're coming back to uh, you know over four hundred fifty thousand departures, right? Which is which is uh, the the most we've ever had here. Yep, four fifty three was our record year in nineteen. And but I noticed in some of the uh, uh, data that that both Bozeman and Kalispell have more departures. Yep. So the pandemic. So who would have thought that pan- the pandemic would actually <laughs> throw air service? So for them, if they had you know national park in their name or any airport in the no. country that had national park yeah. in their name, the airlines you know had plenty of planes, they had plenty of pilots, uh, they had payroll protection during the pandemic, so they could they, they could afford to kind of just throw air service at a leisure market. Right. So that's just helped them grow. Right. And now we have problems with pilots. Right. Opposite problem: the high fuel and, and few high fuel costs. I mean, up in, you know, I was in L.A. It was $6 a gallon for gas in L.A. In Vancouver, you know, if you convert li- if you can convert liters to gallons, it's six fifty a gallon just for, reg- you know, regular. And I don't know what jet fuel is, but I'm sure jet fuel is, is uh, going uh, right up through there. the roof as well. Yeah, I know a tanker of fuel right now just from one week to the next. They had a $6,000 jump just in wow. getting a shipment in, you know, for how many gallons are in a tanker. But it was a over a $6,000 increase. From By the way, where is the fuel at the airport stored? Is it over by North Star on the south end of or the east end of the airport? You're real close. We have a fuel farm over there that both of our FBOs, fixed base operators, Minuteman and North Star, store their fuel. Got it. Okay. Good to know. And they, you know, they get it right off the Yellowstone pipeline. That's right. That comes right through Missoula here. And truck, oh, is that truck, right? Trucks it over. They just stick a straw in. <laughs> I, I should know the answer to this, but I don't. How is the? Is there any plans for the airport to be renamed, or is it always going to be Johnson Bell Field? So, oh, I always like good. to break news. No. So we are now the Missoula Montana Airport. It's still Johnson Belfield still stands. Yeah, but you took Not international because you don't have Why, customs. Tim? Oh, no customs? So I think kind of the way we looked at it is, again, kind of going back to what Brian was mentioning about kind of national parks, you know, why are, we really want to communicate with our name why people want to come here. Right. And what does Missoula offer? What do we offer this area? And it's really that whole Montana experience. So kind of removing the international piece, everyone, it seemed kind of back in the 70s, 80s, that was a thing of prestige. We're an international airport. Right. Right. I think now it kind of goes without saying. If you go to an airport, you can go wherever you want. Right. One one stop anywhere from here. And so the the valuable piece was telling people, well, why do you want to come here? It's Montana. It's Montana. Let's do a quick ID. Our guests are Tim Damaro and Brian Elstead from the Missoula Airport. Montana, Montana, Montana Airport. Airport. Well, I think that's a very important point. I've had two international visitors in the last decade who have come here who called me and said, I'm at the airport, come pick me up. And I said, um, what, what flight did you arrive on? And they said, you know, Southwest or something. I said, well, where are you? One of them was in Bozeman uh-huh. and one of them was in Billings hmm. because their, fl- their travel agent in China just 
looked at the map and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, come pick me up. But, Artie, this is a favorite segment that we used to do with Chris, which is right. what are the new routes coming here <laughs> to the – Missoula, well, Montana Airport. That's airports. an interesting and, – and they'll have obviously that a chance to, to <laughs> answer that. But, you know, with COVID and with airline mm-hmm. pilot shortages and Boeing being way backed up and delivering new equipment mm-hmm. and a war going on in Europe and all that sort of stuff, I mean, you got to factor all of that in into, you right. know, into the growth. But but what, what do we see in 2023 and 2024? I think 22 – Will be kind of that, you know. Let's we need to get back to that, you know, nineteen record right. level of travel, right? Uh, which I think even with the pilot shortage uh, and the probably somewhat less flights that we'll have versus last year, is you can see it now. Low factors are ninety five. I mean, they're full. Everything's crazy. Everything's waiting full. So the pendulum next year is going to swing totally opposite way. So we're going to go with that. Every so the, this industry works as like a pendulum. If you do well. You swing up. If you don't, you, you take a year off, then you build back up, and you just swing back. So I think 23, 24 will just be probably monster growth years for us. Right. God willing that everything stays healthy. Well, plus the other, the other thing that's working in our favor here, well, if you think more volume is in favor, is that is that as a result of COVID, there's a lot of remote working going mm-hmm. on. And, and, and if not f- uh, fully mm-hmm. remote or fully returning, Lots of people are working hybrid jobs where they only have to come in a couple of days a week or a couple of days a month. You know where we live, two of the lots were sold to Microsoft executives whose, right. whose jobs are in Washington State, but they only have to go into the office mm-hmm. a couple of days a week, so they're going to be flying into Missoula. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Don't talk too loud. I don't want my staff to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, question for you. When are masks coming off the airplanes, passenger masks? Is it April 18th? That's the plan right this second. Mm. I, I think it's great. I think that'll probably stick unless this another variant goes crazy. But Well, I, I have a theory about this. And I was telling my friends and colleagues down in Miami last week, everybody's apprehensive flying anyway, right? Because people are nervous when they fly. It's just the way it is. Then you add the load factor. There's so many people. Then you put a mask on them. It's like for some people, it's holding their mask. It's holding, mm-hmm. you know. And I know the health benefit of it. Don't get me wrong. But it just that's why there's so much heightened aggress- ag- aggression well, on the flight. If there was, a, you know, if, if like in Canada where you, ha- where you have to have vaccination. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't go to a Starbucks there without showing a vaccination card. If everybody's vaccinated, you can see, you know, removing masks and everybody's in a level playing field. If you don't have that, there's still going to be some, you know, people can still choose to wear masks. Mm-hmm. And we saw that even before COVID. A lot of Asian who, uh, w- w- you know, are customers traveling right. with, yeah, w- would wear masks. Just because they don't want to be exposed to a new flu that they aren't hadn't been exposed to before. You think this is? Are we good at the 18th? I'm looking <laughs> at Tim right now. I think so. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what's on paper right now, and that's I guess as good as it is. This show is going to air after. The, uh, it's going to air in, air in rerun. So <laughs> yeah. we're recording well, it's not going to help me flying to London on the 12th, but it may help me coming back on the 21st. Well, we're still going to probably have to show vaccinations coming back in the United States. Do we know? That's not part of your purview anyway. At the end no. of the day, as long as they're consistent across the industry. Yeah, that's it's the fine. important You part. Can't, can't go, this state is this and this state is that. It just creates more confusion. I'm going to tell you one, one quick story. Uh, I won't name what airline it was or whatever, but I showed up in, <laughs> to fly up to Vancouver, and they said, uh, we need to see your, uh, you know, your antigen vaccination. To, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, not vaccination, excuse me, your test, your, your and. I showed them. And they said we, we, it's not on our list of acceptable tests, so you can't go. I said, "Well, let me go." I showed them my vaccination card. I've been vaccinated and boosted, and all. Mm-hmm. Let me go, and I'll deal with it when I get. No, we can't put you on the plane. You're gonna have to go back down out, and there's a place there, and you get the test. It's probably two hours to come back. I, and there was a person at the gate who said, "Well, I have a test with me," and I talked the gate agent, so let me take the test right on the spot, right in front of them, <laughs> and I did. And I was negative, and they put, let me on the plane. You are resourceful. That was very <laughs> He's like the MacGyver. <laughs> well, you know, that's why I don't want to mention the airline. They probably weren't allowed to do what? that, but I did it anyway. Arnie and our other passion is flying and is food. Talk about the new food yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's going to be at the airport. Come on, boys. This is We know we've had this conversation. So <laughs> so not only will we'll have the Cold Smoke Tavern, we'll have the Kettle House 
uh, brewery yeah. will have, have actually serve food. So, um, it, it, so we have a company that's going to provide all Good. the food for the whole whole terminal. It'll be branded under Kettle House and Black Roasting Coffee. So you'll be able to get food either pre or post security. Uh, the same kitchen will do it food, but. Any chains coming in, like a Chick-fil-A over no like chains. Denver? No, no chains. It's all local. I like that. I, I don't know this, but but how do, does that affect what food they put it on the plane to for the passengers oh, catering. on the plane? No, That's catering. a separate company, right? Totally separate. Totally separate. Totally separate. Who has that contract? So usually those are coming out of their, their hub cities, wherever they're coming So from. not us. No. A Salt Lake or a Denver or wherever that aircraft is originally. We're usually we're usually a turn. What do they call it? A turn or a des- or a final destination? No. So the middays would be a turn. The overnights would be a remain overnight on RON, and they would just cater stuff. Or they, they cater it out of their hub, and at night they'd put it on ice, so it's good to go for the next morning. Any airport? Any? So I always want to know when new more flights come in and more um, airline staff comes in, and they're kind of dead. You know, at the end of the day. They're staying at local airports in town. Are there plans with the development over by the airport of having some more hotel space potentially and some more short-term stay space, or are we kind of at capacity? Well, it's nothing that we are aware of. Um, So we're going through an airport master plan. Well, we'll take a look at our entire property. Uh, so I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll decide to you know go out for bed and put something on our property someplace. But you know that's in the future. Is there room for that? Uh, we own rearrange. rearrange stuff. I mean, you could probably pull it off. Arnie, this might be so an exclusive we're looking right for. Your house. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Arnie, can you imagine? You could be uh, get into an argument with your wife. You could stay at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I I'm sensitive to that because in the last probably half dozen flights I've had two. Two of the crews timed out, and mm. and they didn't have a replacement crew available. And for an airport like us, we usually don't have backup sitting around here. They're no. usually in, you know, in in, in in the hub airports, Denver and, and Salt Lake City. But I got, that that was a real. I mean, that really disappoints you. What happens when a mechanic a mechanical thing needs change needs to happen on an airplane? Like, let's say they can't close a door or whatever. Where are those mechanics coming from? They'd be a local mechanic from either North Star or Miniman. So, the so they're on premises pretty the much. The airlines contract out with local maintenance. You know, they have a certification, make sure they know how to sign off logbooks and are qualified to work on airplanes. But the airport airline corporate sets up those contracts and it's a local mechanic. And they're on, they have to be on call though, right? They're on, either on call, if they're not on site, they're on call. I've, right. I've waited at one time for a mechanic to come down from wherever. It come from wherever. I'm like, I was on a Delta. Just traffic. I was on a Delta flight when a, pay, a passenger passed away on the flight. Ooh. On the way back to Missoula, and they landed the plane immediately, and it was in Kalispell, and they had to wait for. And you couldn't get off the plane. Couldn't get off the plane to even you know, have a breath of fresh air. Everybody had to stay on the plane until they got the coroner. The county coroner had to come on the flight. Coroner was out fishing. <laughs> it was a Saturday, so we sat on the plane for for it's about five to six hours. What? Yeah, until the coroner was finally able to come on the plane and and pronounce. Do you have another story kind of equal to that? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I <laughs> can't top that one. Yeah. Any weddings or births on planes? Birth or deliveries of children? I've Not that you can think of. Not that we've known. <laughs> I would love it if you can have a wedding on a flight. Well, you could on a private plane, yeah, probably. You, could, you can? You can charter yeah. one. Yeah, you can charter a plane. How much of our, by the way, good <laughs> question. How much of our capacity or flights coming in and out of the airport are private or, you know, private airplanes and is that commercial? I know it's grown during the pandemic. Uh, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, it's trying to think of the operation numbers. But, you know, it's a substantial amount as the general aviation part of what, at the airport, it's, it's greater than the commercial XR's activity goes. Really? Yes. And is, I always remember in the summer, one of the, um, somebody from the Middle East likes to bring in a, uh, <laughs> that was that A330 we were talking about. Yeah. That he's, an A330, he stays here for how long? Like he flies a whole group of people in, right? It was a, almost a week. Yeah. They probably, probably go to pause up. It went to a different ranch, yeah, but, but it was, yeah. Same type. <laughs> The other Ryan thing I'm, I'm always NDA. interested in, you know, I drive I drive by almost every day on Broadway and I see, you know, the, the private jets that are there. But how does um, the smoke jumper planes fit into all of this in terms of oh, the schedule? Because they're not always on a on a set schedule, obviously. They're coming they're coming and going and 
Yeah, they kind of got their whole uh, Forest Service kind of has their own world down at the airport. They're more on the west side of the facility. Right. right. North Star obviously has their kind of firebombing operation that's right. in their um, complex on the east side. Um, but again, it's just kind of as demand warrants, they'll fix things in and they just fit in with the normal traffic flow. And we have all of our air traffic control is done on our site. Is that correct? That's correct. And are those people harder to find or are there shortages in the air traffic control industry as well? Um, we get a lot of retired. So we're a contract tower, not an FAA tower. So we, uh, we might get a fair amount of FAA controllers who retire, collect their pension, and then come, come our way or vice versa who want to get some you know experience and then go on to the FAA tower. So it's it, a two-way street. Is there any new... Um, equipment or any new technology because we often get fogged in, right? You know, or right. you know, it's bad weather or you know, some kind of. Is, is there anything that's changing that's going to allow you know less worry about diversions? Uh, you know, on a, on a foggy night. So I don't think there's anything's changed, but just to kind of remind everybody, we so we do we are we do do fog seating at the airport uh, when there's fog rolls in, and we do our best to kind of lift the fog, as we say. And we actually have pretty good um, uh, results with that, but the only results are um, it's got to be kind of colder than 27, 28, 27 degrees. And wow. with global warming, it's this winters have been a little warmer than that, yeah. so we've had less luck this year than we have in years past amazing how does when a plane lands in the snow you guys have to clear off that runway right but what happened they can land there's still there's still coverage on the on the tarmac or the the how does that work more or less on the runway they're keeping that surface pretty much clean and dry so and dry how do they keep it dry well maybe not so much dry if it's a a a wet precipitation right but with out there with brooms, we have de-icer that's proactively applied. You know, our teams are looking and making sure that they see weather coming. They're prepared for it. They're not reacting to it. Got it. Big fans. <laughs> are they blowing? Is anybody blowing up a hurricane? I don't think so. that's a you reference know, that you would you appreciate. Know. But you would think, you know, in some ways, you know, as, as many many industries have technological advancement, as does the aviation industry for sure. There are some things that are, that are still the same, not problems, but the same challenges have always been. Like, you can have your bag tagged, expedited, and it doesn't always come off first, right? And um, you can uh, you can have a situation where the the weather is fogging you in, and right? You can't you know you can't take off? With, isn't there a minimum amount of? Uh, of ceiling ceiling that you need yep. for land and it's it's more it's less for taking off and more for landing is that correct you are correct even though the plane is is often uh, computer controlled by that point right mm-hmm. it's the pilot's not really landing it so you think with all of the you know the new technology, technology I mean I was just in L A and I just saw uh, uh, a DoorDash machines going down the street <laughs> with no people. I mean, that's very disconcerting to see. I was trying to figure if I could steal a pizza out of it. It was going right down in, in Santa Monica, right down the main street with no person delivering. You don't need a what? flight attendant. You just need a vehicle going down the aisle. Let's take a quick break. Our guests are Brian and Tim from the Missoula, Montana airport. Back after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Arnie, we are back with Tim and Brian from the Missoula, Montana Airport. I want to talk about money for a second. You know, people, you know, whatever you do in Missoula, somebody's complaining that it's tax dollars being taken, that it's, you know, it's, you know, I don't use the airport. I got to pay for it and that sort of stuff. So tell me the pitch on the, on the money side of things. So I would tell you no, well, no local tax dollars is into this project. It's all federal dollars or local operation dollars. It's basically user fees. So, you know, that $4.50 that you as a user see on the bottom of your ticket, that right. goes back to airports right. that kind of pay for the infrastructure. And what about on the airline end? What, what, what's, it, what's it costing the airlines? Any more money to, to land at this beautiful new airport? 
So we're working with them right now. And we, when we went into this project, we told the airlines that we're going to honor that commitment that we will not raise their rates and charges for this new airport. I think Tim and I have it figured out we're actually going to lower their, their rates. You guys ought to be running the country. Forget this airport. <laughs> hey, can a, can a private company actually rent space at the airport to have a meeting at the airport in the conference room? Yes, certainly. Um, we have we will have a number of different conference rooms. We've had groups reach out from time to time, and if we can accommodate, we're we're happy to help. Where we can. This is such a showcase. Like it really speaks so well to Missoula and to our a our commitment to tourism, our commitment to travel, air, you know, business travel. Be the newest facility in in the state. It's, you know, it's the fantastic. country. In the country. You guys should be very proud, by the way. Yeah. You guys have, and we're proud of you too. We really are. It's like this is so huge for our community. So okay. how how do people get a hold of you? Yeah. What do they look for on this information? What are the dates that are important? So I think the best place is going to be on our website, and that's uh, flymissoula.com. Um, we'll also be sharing any updates to our Facebook page as well, so all of our social media accounts. Um, keep an eye on those, and those are on the uh, website as well for any upcoming dates and I, events. I just want to say I love the website. I use it all the time. I don't look at airlines anymore. I go right to the website because your your data on arrival and departures, if they're on time or as, uh, as good it's as updated. Anybody, it's totally updated. It's better than anybody else's. Perfect. You guys so should be very that. proud. And I have to tell you, when I drive west on Broadway, seeing that airport and seeing the way you can see through the windows, it's stunning. It's like it's an architectural, you know, masterpiece. It really is. And I know how those windows look like wings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I – and I guess the next building is going to have the other side of the plane. It's something that – it's it's to behold, really. Yeah. Some visitors from uh, maybe, uh, you know, Idaho and Wyoming coming by having a few drinks are going to think it's an alien <laughs> aircraft that just landed. He's right. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for coming up. Pleasure well, talking with you. Brian, Tim. Anytime. Fantastic. I heard that anytime. We'll see you in a couple of months then. Okay. All right, Arnie. I'll see you next Sunday. Take care. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.